yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well. A 16-year-old Luke is having the time of his life at Ali Pali. But could Arsenal's effort levels be in any littler? Hello, welcome to Fucking Great. I'm Jack Wood alongside Tom Clark as ever. Hello, mate. That's very uh, good, that. Very good. You. I enjoyed thank that. It's a good, that's a good, that's put a smile to my face. I tell you what, get a game after that, feeling creative like that. Um, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> also, feeling creative? In, in, well, in honestly, it's more creative than anything we did at Craven Cottage. So, <laughs> fair play, fair play. And for the first time on this podcast, we are joined by Andy Viswanathan. Andy, hello. Hello, thank you for having me on, guys. That's it's absolutely on the pleasure. pod. Happy New Year. <laughs> Oh, happy yeah, new, new year, year isn't it yeah happy new year he's brought the jokes <laughs> right where do we start at craven cottage where do we start uh there is so much wrong everything that could go wrong did go wrong and there was just me and andy watched it together there was just absolutely nothing going for us by the thames was there pretty much nothing no i mean it's what's what's really frustrating for me was that we couldn't have started any better. You know, it, if, if Fulham have not had the best of seasons this year, but they're still a good side. They've got dangerous players. They're a, they're a solid side. And 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 against against a side like that in an away game like that, the, the, what you really need is to get a foothold in the game early and ideally score early. And we did, you know, and it was a good goal. And, and Martinelli did what I asked him to three days ago. Felt like he was listening. And 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 it was a good good quick thought by Raya to play the ball out so so fast and up the other end, Saka tapping, great, perfect. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking this is brilliant. That is exactly what we needed after West Ham. And then from then onwards, it was just shambolic, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, like that first goal was everything we talked about in the last podcast. It was the directness of Martinelli actually taking someone on, asking the question of a defender, and just maybe he didn't think he was going to score. But just having a shot, seeing what happened, that little that little spark of creativity, mm-hmm. something there. And I mean, Saka's face when the ball went in the net. I mean, he was a very, very relieved man, wasn't he? But that's that's the thing. Like that fast transition play is what we're so good at. That's what got us so far last season. And we did it for the goal and then saw absolutely nothing else like it, did we? Uh, I think it was probably our first and last direct attack of the game, which was which was really frustrating. I think watching that, and I think we said this before we started, it felt like a pandemic game. Um, you know, when, when back in twenty twenty one, you know, passing the ball around the edge of the box, not really any cohesion, fluidity, cutting edge, apart from those first five minutes, and that's it's really frustrating when you go one nil up and you have a foothold in the away game. And I think if you kept you know foot on the throat there. You know, Fulham probably concede another than that's game done if you go 2 0 up, but that's what we've not been doing this season. And, you know, maybe we've gotten away with it a few times before this year, but this is the time where, you know, it happens, right? It catches up with you. I was, about, uh, I was about to say the exact same thing, which is that there's been a few times this season where we have, you know, we've started well and and we haven't put the, be- the, the game to bed quickly enough and it's come back to haunt us or it could have come back to haunt us. And and this was the epitome of that, you know. And it just it was just so frustrating that you we've had a foothold in the game and 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 by definition us scoring early makes any game against us for the opposition team much harder because they, they haven't got an option then to just to, to put ten men behind the ball for the entire game. That should be the, the perfect start for us. You draw them out, you find the spaces in between the lines when they're pushing forward to try and get an equalizer. And we just didn't. 
at any point we just didn't. And and actually, I mean, I struggle to remember much of our attacking play after the goal. I really, I really just don't, I don't really remember it at all. Yeah. And like you guys both said that it, it felt like a, a COVID pandemic game. And what really surprised, well, I mean, everything fucking surprised me, but we just looked so open defensively as well. And I think that, I I think that is kind of a symptom of a team that has absolutely zero confidence. The fact that when, you know, we've, we've talked about our attacking issues so far this season, but we've had that defensive steeliness. We've, we've looked really, really good defensively. But when none of it's working, a game like against Fulham, it just screams that there is absolutely zero confidence in the side at the minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was that was the one thing that struck me yesterday. I think even against, I mean, it's crazy looking back last Saturday and we're top of Christmas, you know, <laughs> so something top of Christmas, fourth at New Year, it is just, it's crazy. But you look back at Anfield on Saturday, played quite well, I thought. Even West Ham played pretty well another day you win that game, 2-0, 3-0, whatever. But yesterday was the first time I thought that we really lacked that kind of belief in what we were doing and that element of control that Arteta's trying to implement or has implemented, it's actually gone in that game yesterday. We didn't see any of it. So when you lose that control, but you also don't have that attacking prowess, then you're starting to think, well, have we regressed slightly to back where we were in 2021? That's how the team was playing. Yeah. It just I mean, seems you're crazy. Right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely spot on. I mean, the, you know, we've got better players in the side these days and I think there's more cohesion with the players, but, but we, we, you know, we've, we've said all season on the podcast that, that, the, the name of the game has been the control and the defensive stability, which has essentially led to where we are. You know, we haven't been free-flowing in attack for pretty much all season. You know, incredibly, the easiest games we've had this season have been in the Champions League. I don't know. I didn't see that coming. That was fucking bizarre thinking about that. But that's that's the reality. In the league, we haven't looked free-flowing in attack at any real stage of the season. We just haven't. And then if you're not free-flowing in attack and then all of a sudden your defence starts to shit the bed, there's only one outcome, really. It, it, it can only go one way. Um, and I mean, that second Fulham goal, it, it's just a catalogue of errors. It really it, genuinely reminded me... The first one you could just see of... coming. You could just kind of... We watched it together, weren't we? That first goal, you could just kind of see it happening, couldn't you? Yeah, and I think... <laughs> I've watched the first goal back a few times now, and I don't know if any of you guys spotted the same, but Ben White was actually our furthest player forward when we lost the ball. He's actually ahead of Saka. Saka came inside, yeah. got tackled. They went on the break. And I'm looking, where's Ben White? in the frame after frame after frame. And you look back and he's, he's partly offside and he's kind of tracking back. And I'm not saying he's at fault for the goal, but he he's not there. So Saliba pushes across. So then you've got Kivior trying to mark Jimenez and then it all just becomes a bit of a mess. But yeah, I think, does, that, you yeah. know, Ben White specifically, I think he is, he is so spent. And the problem is, unless we want to play Cedric, which I don't think anyone associated with the club really wants, you then got to play Ben White every week. And that is that is a big, big problem because he, he's just knackered after 60 minutes every game. And it's, who, do you, who do you sub on for him now? And that is the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think um... A thing that's been... That's played in our favour a lot is that we made signings in the past 18 months, two years, that are versatility signings. You know, you, you buy players who can play multiple positions. But what that does mean is you actually generally have a smaller squad because you, aren't, you haven't got two left-backs, two right-backs, four centre-backs, because actually you've got Tommy, Tommy Asu who can play all across that line. You've got Timber who can play all across that line. But when Tommy Asu is not fit, 
Timbers out. Zinchenko's having the worst few weeks of his career in an Arsenal shirt. You've got no option but to play Ben Ben White at right back, despite the fact the bloke has looked knackered for six weeks, because your backup option is Cedric. And 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 he wasn't good enough when we signed him four years ago. Whenever it was, he was you know he wasn't good enough for that Arsenal team, let alone an Arsenal team that should be challenging. So you know the the great thing about the versatility is it gives you this this constant fluidity and players can play in multiple positions and great. But when it comes down to it, actually, it leaves you short because we had we had you know, of all the players on the pitch, I think they all looked pretty knackered. But there's something there's something wrong with Ben White. You know, there's something not quite right there and, and the fitness has definitely played into it. Well, well it's, it just... it's come out, John Cross has reported today that not only Ben White has been playing through injury the last few weeks, but Saka's had an Achilles problem, which <laughs> he has been playing through the last few weeks. So maybe, like I think I've said it, maybe not last podcast, but the podcast before that Ben White look, did look a bit off it. So yes. may, maybe one of the reasons is just fatigue. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it seems like fatigue. If he's got a problem injury-wise, then that's another issue altogether. But that in itself plays into a point that we'll touch on in a little bit, or I want to touch on a little bit, which is that if if you've got players who are, who are struggling and have got injuries and have been carrying injuries for weeks, play somebody else. That's, I mean, it seems... It seems mad to me that you've got players and Saliba apparently had been had a similar issue earlier in the season, but I'll touch on that in a minute. Um, going back to the Fulham game itself, yeah, first goal, absolutely spot on. You know, White had been dragged away and then the entire defence shifts over and then leaves us open at the back post. It's a good goal, but we sh- we could have prevented it. I mean, but the second goal was just, it, it genuinely reminded me of the days of of, of Mustafi, you know, and and fucking Senderos and Pascal Sigan and I, I just right. It was like, that levels of calamity. It was almost. It like, was yeah. It, it the was. only thing to finish it off was burnt Leno half saving it, but parrying it into his own net of a few <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah, or 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 him hitting, um, saving it, hitting the bar, and then coming back and hitting him in the schnoz and going in or something. <laughs> you know that that's what it felt like. It really the ball ricocheting off player after player eventually it ends up coming off Tommy Asu's arm and if it hadn't gone in the back of the net, it might well have been a penalty anyway. And it was just fucking shit. It was just shit. And, um, and, and you run the risk when you sacrifice a lot of your defense, uh, your offensive prowess for defensive stability is that one day your defense is going to have a bad day and you are fucked when that happens. And that's what, that's essentially, that, I think to me, there were a number of problems against Fulham, but to me, that is the clear and obvious one. Oh God, I hate using that phrase. But that is the clear and obvious issue <laughs> that we, we've relied on our defence all season. And as soon as it starts to falter, that means you're in a, a, a bit of a hole. On on what we were just talking about, I think maybe, you know, the, the fatigue and the lack of cover defensively I think that might be what is really stifling us going forward as well because we're having we're only playing one defensive midfielder in our midfield three for a start so when Ben White is far up the pitch and he's he's made a run and Saka loses the ball and they break and he's miles away the the only obvious cover you've got is Rice who was tracking back and then the, the other person was Kai Havertz who was to be fair to him chasing back but he wasn't he wasn't touched tight with whoever it was in the box. I can't remember who. No, he's never going to be. He's never going to be. That's not the player he is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then the other thing is, going forward, we're playing repurposed centre-backs in inverted full-back roles and asking them to dictate play. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and Kivio's... Is it, 
from watching him, I feel like his 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 strengths have always been being a proper defender. And I think he's a centre back. And I don't yeah. I don't even think he, even at left back he looked he looked almost that he was about twenty yards away from everyone else on the pitch. He was always getting caught one on one yesterday, and I thought, you know what, it's it's not it's not really an upgrade on Zinchenko's performance for the other day actually. So you know, I don't know. Arteta might have hoped for a bit more solidity in defence. We didn't get that. But then what you also lost was the control in the build up. Um, and Tommy Asa wasn't much better when he came on in the second half in that kind of controlling aspect. But I think what what we really have been struggling with kind of recently is just that especially down that left-hand side, it seems Martinelli's starting to get, you know, more recognition. He's getting more awareness for his underperformance and, you know, his stats is getting pulled up. But I think you've got to look at that whole build-up. Kai Havertz is rightly getting some praise recently for his performances. He's kind of arriving at the back post and he's helping Jesus out in the box. But what you then lose is Martinelli's also isolated on that left-hand side. And I think that whole area of the pitch, which was so powerful for us last season... Um, has proven to be kind of a struggle for us this season. And I think you, we've definitely seen that in the last kind of few weeks. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like the obvious, the obvious thing, doesn't it? And I think we, um, you know, we, we sp- sp- everyone has talked a lot about our need for a, an, a, a number nine, you know, goal scorer. Um, and I still think that's an issue because the point I made last time around was that, you know, you, you, it's, it's going to be really hard for any club to win a title against the Man City side that have got Haaland and a Liverpool side that have got Salah and an Aston Villa side that have got Ollie Watkins. I can't believe I'm fucking saying it, but it's true. Um, because they're all goal scorers and they're all, you're, they're all guaranteed to score you goals and we don't have that person. Um, but what I did also say last time around was that I think it probably the answer lies somewhere in our way of playing the game and utilising the players we do have better than we currently are. Um so I don't know how we do that. I'm not the manager uh, for a bloody good reason. But um, to me, that feels like that feels like issue number one is you've got Gabby Martinelli, Kyo Saka, Gabby Jesus, all excellent football players, and all last year showed how excellent they were. Why the fuck aren't we scoring any goals? Why aren't we? Why aren't we putting away the chances? Why aren't we creating clear cut chances enough? Um, and it's not all down to those three, um, but that's got to be the number one question, you know. I, yeah, I think I think the point around control, which we touched on earlier, and I think Arteta, what he's done now is made this more of a smaller margin um, of success because I think you, you you give up the four three wins. I know we had one against Luton, but you give up the kind of kind of back and forth games that we had last season, almost like basketball type games, and you want to ha- dominate more control in a game and that's fine but what you then do is you get more 1-0 wins or 2-1 wins and everything's tight but when that doesn't work out you get a game like yesterday a game against West Ham and then when you play for the margins and Arteta's shrunk those margins this season to give us more control defensively our attacking output has suffered massively but um, I I think it's it's been a result that's coming I said that after the West Ham game actually I thought that result was coming didn't see yesterday's result coming but maybe that is symptomatic of all the games we've had this season where perhaps we didn't deserve three points and we've got that kind of last minute winner or you know maybe we've gotten away with one whereas yesterday that was our worst performance of the season by far and I think Fulham mm-hmm. did a job on us and I think it, we had nothing in that second half even though we had all the ball but every time Fulham had a counter it was like they could almost score Pereira mm-hmm. hit the bar with a free kick I mean he wasn't even playing and he's, he's their best player 
So yeah, it, it, it's a frustrating one, but maybe it's been one that has been coming over the last kind of six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's been a while since we've had a proper Arsenal football Twitter meltdown. And the last couple of days is exactly what that's been. And I, I think it's been due, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I feel a bit better, actually, now that I've got it out of our <laughs> We've all got it out of our yeah, system. Refreshing yeah. Bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we feel a bit better about themselves now. I'm glad. Yeah, good. Um, and there, there was a lot of shit on Twitter. There was a lot of shit. But there was some bits which kind of did raise a few questions for me, really. Not in the sense like people tweeting, right, okay, we need to sell Trussard, we need to sell Kivio, we need to sell all these players that are underperforming when they're the players that we've relied on for the last 12 months. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. But one of the things I did think about that I read, someone posed the question of Kai Havertz. And when we signed him, it like I, Tommy and you have talked about this, absolutely back him to the hills. But when we signed him, it did feel a bit like a square peg in a round hole. And does Havertz being that limit the way we can play on that left-hand side? I think... Um... I, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely to me. It, it seems obvious to me that he, he, that is not a position. There's not a role that he's played too often in the past. I think, I think we all know that he never really played that role for Leverkusen. He certainly never played that role for Chelsea. He's always been a little bit further, up, further up the pitch than that. Um, I think obviously something about his profile and the way that he plays football has made Arteta or whoever else in the in the backroom staff look at him and go. He might be the solution if Xhaka... Xhaka clearly wanted out. It's not like we binned off Xhaka. Xhaka wanted a, a new challenge and that's fine, right? So they had they went into the summer knowing that, okay, we need someone who's going to be able to play that role either in a similar or, or, or exactly the same way. And they probably pinpointed him and went, okay, you know, Chelsea don't really want him anymore. They could do with the money. He, he might fit he might fit the, the bill. I think he's getting a lot, lot better. I think he's becoming increasingly important to us. Um but I think the big issue is one that I mentioned um, a couple of weeks back um, is that he doesn't help Zinchenko. Basically, it's a knock-on effect. He, he, he cannot help Zinchenko defensively in the way that Xhaka could, which means that Zinchenko then cannot perform his role further up the pitch as well as he can, which means there is less room for Martinelli to make a difference where he is. It's a knock-on effect. And it's a shame that it starts with Havertz, because I actually think, all all told, he's probably been, you know, he's probably been one of our better players. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's probably been one of our better players and more consistent yeah. players since sort of September onwards. Um but I don't know what the I don't know what the what the solution is to that. Um because we are obviously absolutely hell bent on playing an inverted left back. Absolutely. That is the, it is apparently completely key to everything that we do. And there is no shifting on that. If there was ever going to be any shifting on that, we wouldn't have let Tierney go on alone to Spain. Um, so the inverted left back role is clearly absolutely inbuilt. Uh, so in my eyes, you need to bring someone in or change things around so that whoever plays in that Havertz slash Shaka role can help Zinchenko out more, or you need an inverted left back who can defend because Zinchenko can't defend. And, and when we're not in possession, he needs to be able to defend. 
it's frustrating because I think Arteta's vision hasn't really come to fruition because of Timber's unfortunate injury. But I think nail on the head there, that latter point, an inverted fullback that can defend, but is also good on the ball. Timber ticks all those boxes from, you know, from the time at Ajax and then <laughs> what we've seen in that great community shield performance, then 45 minutes against Forrest. And I think, I don't think Zinchenko would be in this team if Timber was fully fit. And if Tommy Asu didn't keep getting injured, he could see that anyway. But um, look, who knows if Partey stayed fit all season, what happens to Havertz? Does he stay in that left date or does Rice go into left date and Partey sits deeper? I guess we'll never truly know because we've lost these kind of six months at the start of the season. But I I wonder if Martinelli is a mixture of his confidence as well, though. I think he he's doing the same thing. Yes, he, he did the direct running, cut in, shot. Either it goes in or someone gets a tap in. So he's still got got it in his locker. He's not lost it. It's just, why isn't he getting the same opportunities to do that more often? We shouldn't be afraid, afraid to be a transition team at times. Jack was saying this yesterday when we were at the pub. You shouldn't be afraid to try and play a counter-attacking style of football if the teams are putting 10 men behind the ball, for example. And I think what, what was so frustrating yesterday was knocking the ball in kind of a horseshoe around the box. And then you give it to Martinelli or Saka or Trossard when he came out and go, here you go, Saka, you've got three players on you, but try and beat them all and do something because that's our only option. Erdegaard, mm. I think, he, again, he, I know he always puts in 100%, but again, you need that kind of De Bruyne-style game-breaker mentality. And Erdegaard isn't that same kind of player. So then you're relying on Saka to do that. And when Saka, I mean, he had his chance, there was that volley which he skied, and if, if he bangs that in, that's 2-2, and then who knows what happens from there. But he's a 22-year-old superstar talent, but you can't be relying on him week on week to drag you out, especially if, you know, these reports about him not being 100% are true, then it's, you know, are you surprised that his fitness kind of, he isn't fit 90 minutes, you know, after 78 minutes in a game, then he's starting to just, you know, phase out of games. You know, it's tough to put all that pressure on him. Yeah, you're right. And I think, I think West Ham in the week, Odegaard was probably the only one who came out of it with any real credit, to be honest. Um, but even then, all he was, you know, he was kind of picking up the ball. He was finding the space. He was, he was, but he didn't, he didn't take the game by the scruff of his neck and drag us to anything. You know, he was basically, his, his, his influence on the game was limited to finding some passes in the box that other people couldn't find and having shots from 25 yards out. And that was kind of all he did against West Ham, which was more than anyone else did, but it was all he really did. Yesterday, uh, against Fulham, yesterday he was poor. I didn't think he played particularly well at all. I didn't think he was finding any space whatsoever. Um, then again, he wasn't the only one. Um, and yeah, you, you put in an awful lot of, of of reliance on one young winger who, you know, has, has played probably more football than anyone else in this country for the last three years. Like he's barely missed a minute of football for club and country for three years. It's, it's unsustainable. It's completely unsustainable. And when you've got a situation like that, you, that's when you need to be able to lean on the players you've got on the bench to be able to come in, especially around Christmas. You know, we've got game after game after game. You know, we've had three games in 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 eight days or seven days, actually, considered with the Liverpool one, then the West Ham one, then Fulham. You need to be able to rotate the players. And the big issue is we can't rotate the players because the manager clearly doesn't trust the backup player or some of the backup players. I mean, but kept yeah, Reese Nelson in the squad, and I like Reese Nelson, but I don't know why we bothered. Because all he ever seems to do is come on when we're one nil down or two one down. Yeah, and everyone expects him to be able to turn it around like we did against Bournemouth last season, as if that was his standard. 
And the reality is he's a he's a really good football player, but he's not trusted. He's brought on, he's not given he's not he's never he's never given a start. You know, give him a start against Sheffield United at home or Burnley at home or in the Champions League. Mm. Give him a start. Play him. Play him there. Give him a go and say, right, show me that you're good enough to be able to change the game for us. And chucking him on with no instruction and no real difference in how he's playing when we're 2-1 down against Fulham with 20 minutes left, it's just, it's just fucking what I do on Football Manager. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing smart about that. It's that um, raucous applause that Reese Nelson gets every time he comes on and we're 2-1 down or 1-0 down and everyone thinks, yeah. oh, it's, not, it's going to be another ball with it. Here's the Hail Mary. That's when, I think that's where you know Arteta's given up with the structure and the plan. He goes, we're going to chuck yeah. Arteta on. I mean, Trossard, you play left back. We're going to play a 3-5-2 and it all just, it's all gone to shit. It's <laughs> the Bentner move of the, of the late <laughs> yeah. 2000s. It's your, well, I don't know what to do. Let's chuck Nicholas Bentner on and see what happens. Oh, Same thing. I'm keen to not completely say that the sky is falling down. I think... The West Ham game was a freak result. And I think the Fulham game was a freak performance. And I mean, you can look at our form in general, the last five games or so. I think we've won one, drawn two, lost two, is it? Um, yeah. But now we look at the Premier League. And Andy, you said earlier, we went from top at Christmas to fourth on New Year's. We're recording this before Liverpool play Newcastle. And we could be five points behind Liverpool. We could be three points behind City with their game in hand as well. When do we start looking at our priorities this season? I, look, I, I think at any point, look, if City were if City were we were, you'd say absolutely fine. Five points is nothing. I mean, they came clawed back seven or eight, but I, you know, I've been saying this to you yesterday. When it's us, I think because we haven't been there and done it, five seems like a big gap. Look, we don't know what's going to happen tonight. Maybe Liverpool lose and with two points behind. I don't know. But I think as long as you're in it, April time, in and around five points, if any more, it's tough. But if you're in around five points in April time, you give yourself a chance coming into that run-in, hoping one or two will slip up, whatever. But I think the priority this season was a major trophy in my eyes. Obviously, we all want the league because we were so close last year. But for me... You've got three major competitions you're still in. Prem, Champions League, FA Cup, probably in that order, I'd say, for Arteta. But the Champions League, you treat it as a knockout phase and you, you expect us to get past Porto. That leaves you then with five games left, two more knockout legs, and then a final. Chelsea did it twice now, where shouldn't have won it, won it, won it on two occasions. It's not impossible. And I'd say we have a better squad than they probably did in 2012 or whenever they won it. So it's not out with the realms of possibility that we're going to run in the Champions League. But I agree that you know, I feel like we've chucked so much at the Prem. And the Champions League, like you said, Tom, it feels like it's been a lot easier for us. I enjoy watching those games. No one man marks Saka. Martinelli gets all the time in the world. Saka, most dribbles completed between the pair of them. So, look, I think it's going to be an interesting next six months. But, yeah, I'm still optimistic. You know, big game on Sunday as well against Liverpool. We should really be playing full full strength there, I think. Yeah, I think... I think um, uh... It's it's hard to talk about the priorities yet because, you know, it, it's such a long way to go in the league, and it does feel like it, it, I'm. I also want to warn off the sky is falling, but I also I, I'm I'm very very conflicted because West Ham at home and Fulham away are games that that's six points, you know. I, after the Liverpool game, I looked at our next four games, which were. West Ham at home, Fulham away, Palace at home, Forest away. And in my head, I went 12 points. 
12 points. You have to get 12 points there. If you don't win the league, you have to get 12 points out of those games. And we've currently got zero out with six more to come up with Palace at home. Hopefully it shouldn't be an issue, but Forest away, Forest are resurgent now under Nuno. Fucking, it could get to the point we could have got three points out of those 12. So the sky isn't falling. We are still in it. Five points is nothing realistically, especially when we're going to be five points behind Liverpool, who we play at home in a month's time. That's a must win. You lose that and that's game over. It's the same as last season when we had City. You know, you lose that and it's probably done. Um, I think we're in a position now where we play Liverpool in the uh, at the weekend of the Cup. We win that, hopefully. We win that. And we can kind of work through the effort at the end of the day in the FA Cup we're, we're likely to meet in the next round a lesser team just by the law of averages if we manage to beat Liverpool very unlikely we'll be drawn against Man City or as much as I hate to say it Tottenham away or Villa away or something like that we might well meet a Shrewsbury Town or we might well meet a Cheltenham Town or we might well it, 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 it might be we might get lucky hopefully we'll get lucky with the Champions League like you said we should be better than Porto we should get through that we're a better side than them um, so I think you can kind of push the priorities conversation down the road a little bit and say okay we'll see how we get on against Liverpool hopefully we'll overcome Porto the priorities conversation might end up happening if we're still five points behind in March and we've got Bayern Munich in the quarters and Man City in the corners of the FA Cup that that might that might be when the priorities conversation comes in Um I can't lie, in the immediate after aftermath of the Fulham game, I was very much, fuck it, Champions League it is. Um, but the Champions League is, is a knockout competition. It's very, very hard to... Very, very hard to win the Champions League. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's really hard to win the Champions <laughs> League. Uh, so putting all of our, our our eggs in one basket, in one Champions League-shaped basket in January feels a little bit a little bit much to me. Um, now with the benefit of rationale. So yeah, I think we, we have to continue fighting on all all three fronts that we're still in and still treat them all as important as each other. Um, but it's really difficult when, as you say, we've got players who look shot to bits in terms of their energy levels and whatnot. January is a bit of a quieter month for us, thankfully. So hopefully there'll be chances for players to get a bit of a rest in between now and the Liverpool Premier League game at the start of February. Well, that's what I was about to say. I'd, Andy, when we watched the game together yesterday, I I said to you, it feels like the winter break is coming at a really good time for us. We're kind of, we're out on our feet a bit at the minute and people on Twitter keep talking about injury crisis and stuff. And, you know, looking at our fullbacks, you could argue we do have an injury crisis, but it's not really news because Partey's always out injured and Timber we knew was going to be out for a long time anyway. But I think that, you know, so like you said, we play Liverpool on the 7th and then we haven't got a game until the 20th, which is home to Palace. Yeah. Does, I think, I think that that little gap there, that little rest is exactly what we need after the form that we've been in and the way that we've been playing to kind of revitalise the group a bit, remember who we are, remember the way we play football, remember how fucking good we can be. And hopefully it gives us just that mental reset, you know, because maybe, maybe I'm still in the fuck it stage, Tom. Maybe, like I look at the FA Cup and I'm like, you know what? 
I'm not really too bothered because it we've only won FA Cups in the last 10, 15 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> which sounds stupid, but I look at that and I'm like, okay, that's probably a bit of a free hit, really. Home to Liverpool, the way we're playing, who really thinks, I mean, from an Arsenal point of view, who really thinks that we're going to go and beat Liverpool in that game? So that's a bit of a free hit in my eyes. I'm probably wrong and I'm probably still in that bucket stage. But then, yeah, we... <laughs> We don't have a Premier League game until the twentieth. I, ju- I I only th- I think that that is just such a it's it's a bit of a godsend really yeah. that we've got that amount it's, of time without Premier League football. It is uh, the only thing I'd say about the Liverpool game is we had it's it's almost a carbon copy of what happened last year. We drew City very early on in the FA Cup, and I actually sat with a sat with a few mates who are United fans and rubbing it in, but because I watched the City game in the FA Cup with them, and one of the conversations we had after that game was that. I, we rested quite a few players, I think. I don't know if you remember the team, but we played pretty much a second-string team. Played pretty well, but then Ake got that goal and finished one no, whatever. But I said, fine, folk, we're focused on the title charge. Rested a few players, um, and it's fine. And one of my mates said, well, no, because that's that's going to really harm your confidence. You play City in the rescheduled COVID game in a few weeks, and now they've just got one up on you by beating you in the FA Cup. So that's going to... Do, do damage to your confidence. I went, no, no, we'll be fine. And what you could see then was that we went 1-0 down and we kind of bought it back in the league game and then Grealish got that goal and uh, we lost we lost at home. And I think, I wonder if that FA Cup game in January last year, if we'd won that somehow at the Etihad, would that have given us confidence then when we went 1-0 down again at the Etihad later in April? My only concern is Liverpool games, if we treat it like a free hit and we go out for one reason or another, when we play them in Feb, early Feb, Liverpool are going to come with that confidence again. So we've already, well, hold on, Drew at Anfield, fine, but then we've beat you at your place in the cup. That mentality, we, we don't have those kind of players yet that can get over it. We're starting to get that, but we don't have the likes of your Van Dijk, your Alisson, who you know you can get over that mental barrier. So I think beating them mm. next Sunday would be massive for our confidence. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons for this. We currently, at the moment, in terms of, um, in terms of the the kind of running head to head against Liverpool for the season, and City are obviously going to be champion, uh, Premier League title contenders, and Villa might well be. I, we'll see. But Liverpool are very much, you know, one of our main rivals for it at the moment. The head to head, we drew the first game, and coming out of that game, we will be the happier because they played at home. They probably had the just about the better of the game. We've got the upper hand on Liverpool as things stand. We've got the upper hand. We don't. If we lose to them at home in the in the cup. Two things come from that. One, we've got to play them at home again like a month later in the league and they've all of a sudden got the upper hand. They know how to play us. They know how to play us at home. And that plays on the players' minds like I think it probably did with the Man City game last season. And two, if we lose to Liverpool on Saturday, that then goes... That then is sky falling. Not realistically, it isn't. But that then two weeks until the Palace game will feel like the longest two weeks in the history of football because we'll have come off the back of 2-0 at home to West Ham 2-1 away at Fulham and then a defeat to Liverpool in the Cup and that will then really start to feel that will be a rough 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 um, situation for us to be in I don't think it's a must win against Liverpool in the Cup I love the FA Cup Arsenal love the FA Cup it's ours that is our cup right it means more to Arsenal than I genuinely think it means to anybody else just because of our history and heritage within the competition right but um, it's not must win but I think it's I think it's a it is I don't think it's quite as much of a free hit as I wish it was 
part of me wishes that we now had a, a, a week or two off and to recalibrate straight after Fulham and just go, all right, put those two results behind us, go again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it, 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 <laughs> It's Liverpool. Uh, you don't know what they're going to bring, and you don't know how you how how much of a difference it'll make playing at home against Liverpool. Then it will be at Anfield. We dealt with Anfield really well a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it's not a free hit, Jack. I wish it was. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to me, it isn't anyway. I'm not. I'm not saying your opinion is incorrect, but to me, it's 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 probably more important than than we would give it credit for, I think, now. Yeah. more Even more so, because now I think three defeats in a row um, is unheard of, really, for a club in our position. You know, Man City never go, they never lose three games in a row. They might draw three in a row, they might have a bit of a rough run, but they never lose three games in a row. So we can't afford to do that either, really. I always, I keep thinking that, I keep that mentality and that, I said it when we lost to West Ham in the League Cup earlier in the season, and, and we got—I know we got a goal back at the end, but it was three nil, three one at the end. And Man City never lose three nil in the League Cup to West Ham. That never happens. And I keep thinking, okay, if we want to be at that level, if we want to be at the level of Man City and the level that Liverpool have set for the past few years, we have to emulate that, and we have to to look at ourselves in that light. And those two clubs never get said at West Ham. You know, everyone loses games, but they never get. To, Man City have never gone to West Ham and got absolutely battered off the pitch, embarrassingly. So, um, yeah, to me, uh, I think it's important. I don't think it's must win. I think the league game against Liverpool is must win. Um, but, I mean, I'm going. So if we don't <laughs> fucking win, then I might not come back. <laughs> What happens? Well, on on that, I yeah, I I can confirm that my opinion was wrong. I I, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> After careful consideration, I was I was still in the fuck it the fuck it mentality. Yeah, uh, and you boys have snapped me out of it. Thank you very much. Well, I love for That's us to right. done this pod last night, or precisely straight after the filling. God knows what would have came out on this pod. Yeah. Oh no, that's why I, we must never record a podcast straight after a game ever again. Because last time, not, happened. not like me being dramatic. Do you know what's fucking ridiculous, Jack? Is the last time we recorded a podcast straight after the game, I was furious and I was gutted and I was pissed off at our performance, and we just beaten Wolves. And I'm like, I wish we just beaten Wolves yesterday. <laughs> God, what I would give for a just beaten Wolves game and oh, to come on all furious. Oh, we weren't good enough. Yeah. God. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that brings us to the end of this episode of Fucking Great. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us. You can contact us. All the details are in the description down below. Leave us a like. Leave us a review. Tell us you hate the podcast. Tell us anything. Give us a question. Tell me I'm wrong in all of my opinions. And then you can uh, just join the boat that Tom and Andy are in. <laughs> <laughs> just dragging me along. Uh, Tom, thank you very much. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Andy, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully, I uh, have you on again soon. Yeah. Pleasure. See you later.